0: Listen, uh, so um, I, I wanted to share with specifically, this is kind of a standalone sermon. You know, we, you know, t- typically I do, you know, sermon series, but we're just going to focus on faith um, maybe uh, this weekend, next weekend. And um, I, I picked out a couple of uh, great pieces of scriptures. And so one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. And um, so let me just, uh, this is comes from, uh, we'll start with Hebrews, the, the 12th chapter. And just, I love this. One of my favorite pieces of scriptures um, hear these words from Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. Let us also run the race with perseverance that is set before us. Look into Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. And from the book of Genesis, uh, the 15th chapter, this is God establishing his covenant with Abram. He says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, Lord, what will you give me? For I am, well, I continue to be trialless. And the heir of my house is Ezra of Damascus. And Abraham said, You have given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to me my heir? But the word of the Lord came to him This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own shall shall issue you shall be your heir. He brought him outside and said, Look towards the heavens and count all the stars, if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, You so shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned him and his righteous. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. And amen. So um, I was walking through Walmart. I, I really love Walmart this, these days. And the reason why I love Walmart is because my son, Cameron, is gainfully employed by Walmart, and, which is a beautiful thing because now Walmart is paying all his bills, and I'm not. This is a wonderful thing. I'm so blessed. And so, walking through Walmart, and um, and I, I don't, you all probably have seen these. It, it's called a Rubik's tr- cube. And so, I, I just, you know, I just decided I just needed one of these. And so, I bought this because I thought it kind of maybe would be an interesting way to begin my sermon. So, what's interesting is about these uh, Rubik's tr- cubes. You know, they've actually made. Uh, Mr. Rubric, um, uh designed this, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 years ago. Yeah, it was kind of a fad that came on. You know, they made 350 million of these. It's amazing. And, and so um, my son, Jordan, uh, in high school uh, picked up one one day, and he was trying to figure it all out. And um, he, he figured it out. And um, I could literally give him this thing and it could be all different, you know, all different, completely confused. And I can hand it to him in about 45 seconds to one minute, he can have the whole thing resolved, uh, which is just amazing because I've never have figured it out. And I, I said, how do you do that? And he says, dad, it's all about the algorithms. And I said, what's the algorithm? And so, you know, and so, you know, he, it's just amazing how, I don't know, he just got, he just figured the whole, and so what's interesting, I've never have been able to figure this darn thing out. But what's interesting is that sometimes in life, we have a hard time figuring things out, especially even when it comes to our faith. I love this definition. Um, This came from Erno Rubrik, who described this Rubik's Cube, and this is how he described it. He says, it's an object of art A mobile sculpture symbolizing stark contrasts of the human condition. Bewildering problems and triumph intelligence. Simplicity and complexity. Stability and dynamic. Order and chaos. And I thought it was just a stupid toy, but that's what Haley described it. (laughs) And what I really thought was interesting about that definition was the idea about the human condition trying to figure out the human condition and so I found I love this particular piece of scripture about the this is Paul's version of the human condition he says you know we we know that the law is spiritual but I'm not i'm I'm so human sin rules me as if well I was a slave I understand why I act the way I do I don't I don't do the good I want to do and I do the evil I hate and if I don't want to do what I do then well that means I agree that the law is good but i'm I'm really well I'm well, I'm the, really the one doing the evil. It is sin living within me that does it. Yes, I know that nothing good lives in me. I mean nothing good lives in the part of me that is not spiritual. I, I want to do good, but I don't do it. I don't do the good that, well, that I want to do. I do the evil that I don't really want to do. So if I do what I don't want to do, then I'm, well, I'm not really the one doing it. It's the sin living in me that does it. Did you get all that? <laughs> in other words, Paul's struggling with his own human condition. You know, the things I really want to do, I don't end up doing. The things I, don't, I, do, I want to do, I, I don't do. It's this constant kind of struggle in life. I think even Paul, in, in, his, in the midst of his life, he struggled with his faith. I, you know, I, I thought about that this week, and and you know, I, I love the Wesleys, and and so Mr. Wesley, uh, he described our, our our faith journey in in the, well, in this regard, he talked about prevenient grace and justifying grace and sanctifying grace and going on to Christian perfection, and and as Wesleyans and as Methodists most of us we're on this journey called sanctifying grace. We're on this journey where we're trying to continue to figure out our life every single day, our faith journey and how we continue to grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you what, sometimes I had some days I had really good days and some days I don't. Can I have a on that? Even in the midst of my own faith journey. Sometimes I'm just like Paul. I think some days I get it right. And sometimes I don't. Sometimes I get it right from my thoughts and my words and a deeds. And there are times in which I really just blow it. I just don't blow it at Walmart anymore because my son is gainfully employed there and I want him to lose his job, right? (laughs) Each day, I wrote this down this week. Each day, I think we're trying to figure out how God fits into our life and how we fit into his desire for our life. Let me say that again. Each day, I think that we're trying to figure out how God fits into our life and how we fit into our desire, his desire for our life. Uh, A few uh, I don't know, maybe a couple of years ago, I remember Pastor Allen gave a devotion and um, she was quoting uh, Rick Warren's wife, Kay Warren. And I just, I thought it was just a really good quote. And um, let me share it with you this morning. It has to do with faith. She says, you know, the essence of faith is living with hope in the face of mystery. We live a life of faith, completely full of hope, staring mystery right in the face. You can't have one without the other. Your faith won't survive without hope. And hope won't survive without the realization that there are mysteries that will not be answered. If you can embrace both, you can have a vibrant faith. I love the way Paul, I mean, uh, the Hebrew writer, begins this, this text in the 11th chapter, and he says, You know, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Mm-mm-mm. I can relate to that. You know, I, let me just teach for a second. The Hebrew writer in this text today that I'm reading, um, he is really talking to a church that's under a lot of uh, stress and persecution. Once again, the Christians—it's like what Paul talks about in Philippi. It's Philippians' church and the people of um, Galatia—they're under persecution. And so, once again, there's this there's this feeling um, to this text that has to do with them um, holding on to your faith in the midst of all the calamity and the stress that you're under, even under persecution. And the key word there, matter of fact, I want to. When I did my research this week. I, I thought this is very powerful. The most important word in the beginning of this text is the word endure. How Christ endured all that he went through in order to go to a cross to die for our salvation. Give amen on that. And so uh, what, what, what the Hebrew writer is trying to help put together is he's, he's drawn upon the, the, the great, Cloud of witnesses, and the cloud is represented by a crowd. Okay, there is this this symbolism. The cloud of witnesses is this great cloud, a great crowd of witnesses. These people that have run this race before us, and he's drawn upon their faith and them being an example of faith to encourage the people who are under persecution, and saying, "Hey, listen, if they could do it, then you know what? Hey, you guys can do it too." And so discontinued as he continued to run the race with perseverance. Now, what I I thought was very interesting, and you all might ask, and I I thought this is very powerful. So the great heroes of the great cloud of faith, uh, it's not their IQ, it's not their gender, it's not their competency, it's not how uh, their judgment, but there really is what they have. One thing in common, the common denominator is their faith. And the great cloud of witnesses, you have to go to Hebrews 11 to figure out who the great cloud of witnesses are. So here are the great cloud of witnesses. Abel offered a better sacrifice by faith and was commended for his righteousness. Enoch by faith had pleased God. Enoah by faith obeyed God's commandment, command and turned his back on the world of evil. Abraham obeyed uh, God. Isaac, Abraham's promised child, who by faith blessed Jacob and Esau. Jacob, who by faith blessed Joseph's sons. Joseph, by faith, goes from the pit to the palace to the pinnacle of success. Moses' parents, who by faith hid Moses in order to save his life. Moses had his faith as he led the children of Israel out of bondage. The people of Israel, who by faith passed through the Red Sea. And Rahab, by her faith, welcomed God's spies, saving her family from the fall of Jericho. So the great cloud of witnesses, you find well there they are, they're in Hebrews eleven that he talks about in Hebrews. He's tw- Hebrews twelve. So I was thinking about the um, the great cloud of witnesses, and that I, that was very powerful. That some of them who were on this list. Also made this other list that I looked at this last week, and I thought this is a very interesting list. And it was the when I when I went back and did my research, I was looking for people who struggled with their faith. And what's interesting is some of the same people who were on the list, who were the great heroes of the Bible, who are the the kind of the pinnacle of faith, were also in the list of the people who struggled with their faith. For example. John the John the Baptist did you know when he went to prison he even asked the question hey if if Jesus really is the messiah or Simon Peter, who denied Jesus, not once, not twice, but three different times. Uh, the prophet Elijah, when he takes on the prophet uh, uh, Jezebel, and after he finally wins the battle with all the, the prophets on Mount Carmel, he ends up fleeing for his life because Jezebel is gonna try to come kill him, and he, besides, he's just beside himself, and he thinks, you know what, I, maybe I should just take my own life. Or Doubting Thomas, or the, or the father who had this sick boy who comes and brings Jesus, and he's desperate, and he wants his son to be healed. And he realizes that Jesus is like his last result. And so Jesus sees his face and commends his faith. And then the guy says this. It's just one of the great one-liners in the Bible. I believe, Lord, but help my unbelief. And then I think about Moses and all the struggles he had of the wandering people and King David and the struggles he had and Jonah and the whole Jonah and the whale story and Mary and Martha as they were just really myth for Jesus when they're, well, Lord, you could have come so much sooner, but you didn't. So we have this dynamic of some of the people who are on this great heroes of the Bible list, but then they also made the list of their struggle within their faith, which is, I think it's so, I just love the realism, just being so realistic and about life because we all at some point in our life have had highs and lows in our life and we've maybe at some point have, have had doubts or we've struggled with our faith. And so even the ones who are the pioneers and perfectors of our faith, these people who are the pinnacle of faith, even at their point, struggled. They had a, well, they were trying to figure it out. And maybe, you know, that's the beautiful thing about our salvation and sanctification this journey that one. I think that we continue to try to figure things out. I was thinking uh, this last week, I, I made my little list of things I've tried to figure out in my life and maybe you all can relate to this because you know, we're all still trying to figure things out in life. Like as I got, as I've gotten, these are things I figured out. As I've gotten older, I realized that my father's advice was a whole lot wiser. Um, you don't have to be smart to be successful in ministry. Running is a really great place to pray You can never say, I love you enough. When your kids wreck your car, take a deep breath before you speak. (laughs) You have to eventually let your kids grow up and figure it out on their own. Asking for forgiveness is stronger than winning the argument. Coaching little league baseball is like herding cats. (laughs) You can't get it all done in one day, but if the Lord's willing, he'll give you another. There is a heaven, and I hope that there's hot, crispy donuts, crispy cream donuts there. (laughs) Uh, And then the things that I haven't figured out, like I haven't figured out why Facebook is such a big deal. Changing my password. Why cell phones are so darn expensive. I haven't figured out why gas prices continue to go up. I I haven't figured out how the villages can build a house in 15 minutes. I don't know how they do that. (laughs) I haven't figured out why everything that tastes good has a lot of calories. I haven't figured out how the top 1% of America owns 34.5% of the net worth of America. I haven't figured out why bad things happen to good people. I have figured out why the church I love so desperately sometimes, well, it seems to be in decline. I haven't figured out how Tom Brady was drafted in the sixth round. he's the 109th pick. <laughs> so we're still, you know, there's some things that we just haven't quite figured out. I, I think that the common denominator in life, when it comes to faith and this great cloud of witnesses, these people that run the race before us, um it it really is about their supportive role in god's plan um and so it's about telling god 's story and so all these people and some of these great people of the Bible somehow fit into telling god's story in life and so like for example, and some of them their stories are are our struggle, stories of struggle. I mean, some of them are about deliverance and hope and sacrifice and failure and courage and sal- salvation and love. You look at all these stories and they, but the common denominator, they're all supportive, they're part of the supportive cast members of God's story in the Bible that reveals some sense of deliverance or failure or sacrifice, courage. So I, I you know, I, as I mentioned, when I looked up on the screen just a few minutes ago, I so humbled, so humbled to see the the great cloud of witnesses these great people have run the race before us today just over just those of the last year that I saw some of my dear friends up on the screen. I started thinking about some of the the people in my life, and once again the think about this great supportive roles of people that have played in your faith journey, not just kind of wrap your head around that. For example, um, I think about my my friend Frank Dempsey. I think I got a picture of Frank. He's the white-haired guy. You, there is Frank. I love Frank. And you know, I, um, Frank played for the Chicago Bears. Um, he was just, I uh, met him in Miami, him and his wife Colleen. Colleen was the one of the, fr- I think she was the first Orange Bowl queen that was in downtown Miami. And uh, they were like the Barbie and Ken. He you know, was the football player. She was a tiny little petite thing. And he was this big, strong football player. And we just became... You know what Frank told me? He really taught me about my love for God, but he also taught me the importance of loving my wife. I think about my friend, Charlie Skinner, who was at my church in Dunn-Ellen, who just had this passion and love for those who had special needs. Tommy just... Once again, how God loved everybody, especially those. He just, his heart just poured out for people who were maybe sometimes they were the outcast in life. I, I think about my, my friend, um, uh, Dick Zimmerman, who was on the screen just a few minutes ago. I did his memorial service, and he, he actually called me to his house, I don't know, f- several months ago, just before he died. And he says, Harold, I want you to have my book. And he had written a memoir of his life, and the theme about it was to grow where you're planted. I thought of my friend Mike Patterson was up on the screen, and every time when I would see Mark and Mike and I would go out there, he would always shake my hand and tell me that he really loved me and tell me how much he appreciated my sermon, even though if my sermon wasn't very good, he told me he still appreciated the sermon. <laughs> Love that. I think about my friend Chuck Malou. He wasn't on the screen this year, but he died several years ago, and I just loved Chuck. He was just such a great friend, and he was one of the leaders of our church. He actually um, was the salt leader. He helped me. He, he just taught me the importance about being humble and being gracious. I, I loved him. Matter of fact, just before I died, my, my son Cameron um, wrote a poem for him. I asked Cameron to write a poem for Chuck, and um, I described a little bit about what Chuck was going through with his cancer. And so, um, so Cameron, I just said, here's the information, and I don't know, maybe 15 minutes he came out and scribbled this little poem down on a piece of paper. And then we went over to Chuck's house, and Cameron read his poem to him. And it meant so much um, to his wife she actually put the poem in the bulletin for Chuck and this is how it went. Uh, the best way, it's called Your Last Period. The best way to describe the Holy Spirit is the breath of humanity. In your last moment, breathe in the Holy Spirit and when you exhale for the last time, your soul will be guided by the Holy Spirit into anew. So don't fear death. And when you see him at your front door, take his hand and lead the way because there is nothing more beautiful in life than to put your last period and your story into play. See you there, Cameron Hendren. God, I'll never forget that day. The great saints that run before us, the supportive cast, the people that we've loved, that have been there to help us grow in our faith. This is what we're celebrating today and the precious gift of everlasting life. I, I, I think that a great way to describe some of these people, and maybe you can relate to this, is I call them quiet servants. Um, I found this quote recently, I thought it was pretty good. Quiet servants seek to do what is right. They, they show up, they open doors, cook dinners, visit the sick. You seldom see them in front of the audience. Typically, there is, well, that is the last place they want to be. They don't stand behind the pulpit. They want to make sure the pulpit is there. They don't wear a microphone, but make sure it's turned on. They embody this verse. For you, brethren, have been called to, liber- to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Max Lakato said this. He said it is in your best interest to look out for the interests of others i like that you know i was when i when i, t- when I had this this thought about the this vision of cast members you know supportive cast members i mean these these people have been the supportive cast members for many of us in our lives and the saints that have run the race before us and so I, I went back in this week and i did a little research about and i googled in like um great cast members and so what immediately came up what was very interesting was that if you want to make a really good movie um you got to have a great script you got to have a great cast and you got to have a great story and so the f- when i well, the first image they put up was Saved private ryan Evidently, that was, you know, that was a phenomenal movie because um, it had all those elements. And then it came up, um, and they talked about some of the greatest support, supportive cast uh, actors of all time. And this is the first one that came up. Her name is Hattie McDaniels. I think we got a picture of Hattie McDaniels. And so you might have remembered her role in Gone with the Wind. She was the first African-American to win an Academy Award in 1940. Now what's interesting, however, is that um, when they had the premiere of Gone with the Wind, she wasn't able to attend Gone with the Wind because it was in an all-white theater. So she couldn't go to the premiere of the movie that she starred in. And when she won the Academy Award that night, she was sitting in the back in a separate room at a separate table that was all segregated. And then, you know, what's very interesting is, um, well, here's her Academy Award speech. She says, fellow members of the motion picture industry and honored guests, this is the one of the happiest moments of my life. And I I thank each one of you who had a part in selecting me for one of these awards for your kindness. has made me feel very, very humble and I shall always hold it as a beacon for anything that I may be able to do in the future. I sincerely hope I shall always be a a credit to my race and to the motion picture industry. My heart is too full to tell you just how I feel. And may I say thank you and God bless you. Wow, short, sweet, to the point, but powerful. You know, I, I think about life and I think about the importance of, you know, supportive roles and so forth. And I think about, you know, the story, you know, the Bible is a great script. We got all these great cast of characters in the Bible and we have this opportunity to live out the story in our faith journey. So I thought it was really interesting in my little list of people who were the, you know, like the top 10 people who had doubts. And I shared with you that some of them were in the great cloud of witnesses. The one that I saved for the best for last was, um, well, his name is Abraham. I mean, you know, Father Abraham, he was the pinnacle of faith, right? But yet, did you know that Abraham even had his doubts about faith? I just read it to you. Do you realize that conversation that he had in the, God, in the book of Genesis, the 15th chapter, what's very powerful is, is that God had already promised Abraham that he was gonna have an heir and that his, you know, he was gonna be blessed with a child. So 10 years later, Abraham comes back to the conversation that he had with God. So guess what? He's, he's 75 now. And guess what? The biological clock is ticking. So he says, you know, God, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to figure this out. Right. I, I'm, I, I know you promised me. And then what's very interesting, he says to him, God, what will you give me? I still remain childless. So you, you, you hear that. I mean, God's already promised him but do you hear him struggling with his faith at this whole thing? Hey, you know, I, I understand what you told me, but, and then, so he, he's, he's grappling with this whole thing. And then, and, and so he's having some of these doubts that are kind of flip-flopping around in his life. And then I, I think it's really powerful as you know you look at the story and how it all kind of breaks down. And I think, you know what, a life of faith is not the absence of doubt. I love this quote, but doubt, Rather is an opportunity of faith. Uh, my my wife, um, for years and years, didn't like to fly. She was uh, paranoid. She was always afraid, and I would have to kind of coach her along to get her on the plane. We went to the one day uh, we you know we uh, had been going to the Holy Land for the last ten years, and she really wanted to go to the Holy Land, but she had to overcome her fear with flying. And so I said, "Well, if you want to go, you know we sh- we're not going to we're not going to take a boat over." You're going to get on the plane. And she says, okay. And so what was interesting is every time we were on that flight and we hit a little turbulence, she was very anxious. She grabbed my hand. I mean, it's like squeezing my hand, right? And she, what was that? I said, honey, it's nothing. It's just a little turbulence. And so I kept re-emphasizing the importance. And what she was struggling with is she wanted to make sure, Harold, are you going to get me where you promised me? Even sometimes when we experience turbulence in life. And I think maybe that's part of what Abraham's struggling. He says, you know what, Lord, are you going to get me where you promised me? And I'm experiencing a little turbulence in my life. So what I love about this part. So the first part of this story is that it's the realism that Abraham's struggling with his faith. The second part of it, and I think this is just a great point, is that so... Abraham, in his infinite wisdom, comes up with a solution. He says, okay, well, if you're not going to give me a child um, through uh, my wife, um, Sarah, then I suppose I will, well, maybe I'll have a a child through my, basically we think that she probably was his head slave, Ezizir of Damascus. And then, so what I think is very powerful about this is that Abraham is keeping the conversation going with God. He hasn't given up. He's struggling with his faith. But he's saying, you know, Lord, we need to continue to talk about this. And I think this is so great about life. It's a simple part of our life. I think that sometimes even in the midst of our lives when we're struggling with faith, I think that it's good to continue to keep the conversation going with God. Keep asking. Keep struggling. Keep seeking. I think it's good that we continue to have the conversation Keep going to the AA meeting. Keep going to that marriage counseling. Keep seeking your faith. Keep, look, keep going to the Alzheimer's group because you need that great cloud of witnesses to help you continue to persevere in your faith. Faith is not the absence of doubt. Faith is actually the place where we stay in that conversation over time. And so what's interesting, get this, it'd be another 25 years for God finally delivered on his promise. Abraham, you know what, Mrs. Henderson asked me, I guess we're old, we're 58. Hey, guess what? Abraham was 100. Waited another 25 years to get Isaac. Wow. That's a long time, isn't it? That you call running the race with perseverance, isn't it? Patience. And be another 400 years before they would finally get into the promised land think about that so i love that part and and then so here's the last little part so you know you got the part where he's struggling with his faith then he's got the part that he comes with his own solution and god says no that's not the solution i'm going to give you exactly where you're what you i promised you just have to have faith be patient but he continues to keep the conversation going i think that's important for us and then you get to this last part oh, I love this last part. he says, Abraham, come outside. And they walk outside. And I could just see God put his arm around him. You've got to get this image. God's got his arm around Abraham. He says, hey, look up at the stars. And then Abraham says, yeah, I see all the stars. And then God says, well, try to count them because your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars. And then what's very powerful, don't miss the detail in this, God says, try to count them if you can. And what's very powerful about that is, you know, Abraham really comes back and says, I love this. I can't, but you can. Oh, wow. Isn't that a great mantra of faith? God, I can't. But I trust and believe that you can. I mean, isn't that the essence of the idea that you know faith is to be able to see, but yet you really can't see? It's that the idea that when you're struggling in life and you're struggling with maybe losing a family member or struggling with cancer or your child struggle with depression and anxiety for so long, and you would go home and have no idea what you're going to find. You continue to run the race. You continue to say, God, you know what? I can't. But I know you can. I can't. But I know you can. I can't. Whew. No, you can't. I think that's the golden nugget of Genesis 15. Of faith? Yeah. You know, the Wesleys were big on awe. We're going to have communion in just a second. And I, I read this this last week. It's a great hymn from the Wesleys, from Charles. Come sinners to the gospel feast, let every soul be Jesus' guest. Come sinners to the gospel feast, let every soul be Jesus' guest. You need not one be left behind, for God hath bidden all mankind. Sent by my Lord on you I call, the invitation is to all. Come all the world, come sinner thou, all things in Christ are ready now. Come, all ye sinners by sin oppressed, ye restless wanderers after rest, ye poor and maimed and halt and blind, in Christ a hearty welcome find. My message as from God receive, ye all may come to Christ and live. Oh, let his love your hearts constrain, nor suffer him to die in vain. See him set before your eyes, this, that precious bleeding sacrifice, he offered benefits, embrace. And freely now be saved by grace. The invitations for all of us. All of us are saints. And all of us are sinners. The invitations for all of us today. As we come humbly before the Lord. And receive communion. Lord Jesus, we're grateful for this day and uh, we're grateful for all those saints that have run the race before us. Let's continue to cling to your faith, Lord, our faith in you. For we trust and believe. We can't, but you can. In Jesus Christ, we pray and all God's children said, "Amen." amen, amen and amen.